that, that's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. The White House will not wise up until there is a Chinese rocket stuffed right up their assets. You know why I looked them in the eye? Because I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. You know what Youngstown, Ohio has been known for? People with grit, people with heart. You know what Youngstown is becoming known for now? A bunch of pussies. But I must tell you that I have taken some laxative medication from having eaten too much cheese. And if you hang around me too long, you're really going to get a news story because I'm going to go about 8.5 on a Richter. Beam me up. Jim Trafficking, part two. Let's go. Welcome to Fraudsters, the podcast that gives you the scams you love from the fraudsters we hate. I'm your co-host, Cena Gaznavi, along with Ariel Lieti and Justin Williams. Guys, last time we left off, Jim Trafficking had successfully taken bribes from the mob, admitted to them on tape, and then sure got did. acquitted on all charges. <laughs> <laughs> Charisma. <laughs> Charisma rating, 10 of 10. <laughs> and the, of course, the next natural step, right, is Congress. Yeah. He won his congressional seat in 1984 against a soft-spoken Republican incumbent named Lyle Williams, who had served three terms. Trafficking, of course, would triple that number, remaining in Congress for the next 18 years. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. He stayed for so long because he made the people believe they needed him. He stole money, sure, but from the rich— he gave money to the poor. Wonderful. But he had to take his share, of course. Wet his beak. He was a hero from his hometown. He wasn't looking out for anyone but his people. He fought a losing battle to keep industry in Youngstown, but that just made him more relatable. Youngstown was being punished for a crime they never committed. The mobsters had overrun the town, the factories had closed, and the government had abandoned them. But with Jim, they had a hometown hero. He was their sheriff pusser. Sure, he had to bust a few heads along the way, but he was cleaning up the town. Here's a clip of his supporters that I think is very instructive. You feel bad for him, sir? I certainly do, young lady. Very much so. I hope to God he gets a break. (laughs) Is that the guy from Law and Order? 
Remember? Oh, the guy, uh, Jerry Orbach? Yeah, that's Jerry Orbach, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Only his enemies hated him. To everyone else, he was a hero. One bill he sponsored took aim at actually confronting the issue of home seizures. The resulting bill put the burden of proof on the IRS against taxpayers. So after that, IRS home seizures plummeted by like thousands. By thousands. He also championed the slogan, quote, buy American, a hero. This is where this comes from, guys. Now, last episode, we heard from Ohio State Senator Bob Hagan, a Youngstown local. He's got a lot of traffic and stories for us. And here's a clip from our interview with him. You'll get to hear from him throughout this episode. Do you think there was a point where he changed from drug counselor or whatever he was before he was sheriff to fraudster, hungry for power? Or was he always like this? Uh, you know, Cena, I think he was always like this. I, I, I think he got caught when he was running for sheriff. Uh, yeah. At, in that uh, tape recording that he was. No, he tra- was doing a sting operation against the mob. He was doing it for the people. Bob. Doing it. It's really funny because uh, I worked uh, in the steel mill with the uh, with the the guy that was on the jury. He was also uh, he was also the chairman of the jury. What do they call that? The, foreman. The foreman of the jury. Thank you. He was a foreman at, at U.S. Steel for me, <laughs> and uh, I had seen him later, and, and I had talked to him. I won't mention his name, but he said to me, yeah, yeah, Jim convinced us. He totally convinced us that they were full of it, right? And, and of course, you know, he, he beats that rap. Uh, he does. Uh, he, be, he became a hero to many people. He wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't close out on the sheriff's sales of some of the homes of, of those 40,000 people that had lost their homes. That's how you become the real hero. Can you tell me about the first time you met him or the first time you heard him speak? And, and what was your read? The very first time that uh, I heard him speak was a, an interesting gathering of people that had, in fact, lost their jobs uh, at the Powers uh, Auditorium in downtown Youngstown. He gathered about eight to nine hundred people, he being the congressman, to talk about the job loss and the struggles and the promise that he was going to make a difference But he said something that was very interesting that my brother Jim and I uh, were kind of stunned about. Uh, And it was that he started talking about the struggles in South America. Uh, And he used this, uh, used the term uh, that he was going to take the Duarte, the Duarte uh, administration uh, out of ignition, uh, out of admission or out of existence rather. And when he did that, He was bringing up to date a lot of what was happening uh, in the Reagan administration and the administrations of some of the Republicans because they were trying to move uh, into, you know, some of those governments that they thought were left wing governments. And there was a battle with the the uh, the the Contras and all that was going on. But people weren't paying attention that we're looking for jobs. You know, you're looking for it. And instead of saying Duarte, he said Duarte. Right. And he said Duarte is a is a crazy guy. Duarte is taking our money and Dwight is doing this. And people jumped up and so did my brother Jim and I. We looked at each other and went, damn, he really knew how to raise the interest in, in people paying attention. And, you know, we looked at each other. We said, man, we're suckers here. You know, we got a little <laughs> sucker punch. And he did a great job about it. He really did. He was a master at speaking the language of Youngstown. And Pittsburgh, if you want to even go that far, because he could he could mess up 
some of the words and say ain't and not going to do this shit and we're going to we're going to get these sons of bitches and we're going to hold them accountable and damn it, you're going to be involved in it. And we're going to do it together. And up they would go. Right. And you looked at it and you saw, you know, he, he was powerful. He was a powerful speaker. You could see that he was very impressive in the way that he could manipulate the way that he spoke and manipulate the people that he spoke to. Uh, and then I, I had uh, an occasion to, to meet him. Uh, he was very quick. He would give you that Italian slap on the cheek, you know, hey, Bobby, Bobby, how you doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and, and I was like stunned. And, and I said, don't, don't, don't slap me, Jim. You know, <laughs> I'm a state legislator, right? You know, and come on, come on. You know, and uh, he did it with my wife and he did. My wife would always reminded me of this. He was good with women because they would love it. They he tried to kiss my wife and she pushed him away. A little kiss on the cheek, you know, little always a yeah. little kiss on the cheek. And she pushed him away and, and told him not to do that. But women loved him. They absolutely loved him. They yeah. were um, mesmerized by his his charm. Uh, they're mesmer mesmerized by the fact that he that uh, he could hug them and and talk their language and, you know, mispronounce a couple of words that made him sound like he was from the valley. And and, and it was very successful. The legend continued to grow. He was the Ohio Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Many in Youngstown area believed he had magical powers. As his leash with voters grew longer, his ostentation blossomed. His hair got weirder. His suits got more polyestery and sometimes even more denim -y. It became part of him. And he would joke about his crazy style. We heard him talk about his hair being like a weed whacker. Yeah. Let's go back to Bob Hagen and to talk about, among other things, his hair. So he was charming, but his clothing and his hair wasn't charming, though, right? Is that <laughs> what, what do they think? It didn't seem to didn't seem to bother any of those women. He was very attractive. Uh, and they, you know, they never noticed it, that uh, he had uh, something of, of some kind of hair that was. Was it a toupee? His, it was a toupee. It, it definitely was, was right? Well, it was a toupee because we actually we all saw a picture of him when he was convicted and sent to jail for nine years. And they had they had him, uh, you know, in his uh, at the jail and they had him sideways and forward and the toupee was gone. Wow. Uh, so many people saw that. Um, but, you know, he wore bell bottoms. He wore clothes that uh, were mismatched. Uh, I remember the guy down, downtown where he, where he bought his clothes. And he would, the guy would, when I would walk by, he goes, Hagen, come on in here. Come on in here. I'd like to put a suit on. I mean, I, I, I dress Jim trafficking. Don't you want a suit? I go, I'm not coming in there. Run the other way. Yeah, uh, run the other way. But he was... Uh, Jim knew how to appeal to people. They didn't care. I mean, bell bottom Jim, you know, they could call him all the names he wanted. It certainly didn't bother him. But um, uh, he was he was phony. Um, he was a false prophet. He was someone that cared totally about enriching himself, whether it was his ego or financially. Uh, and he did and lied to a lot of people in, in this valley. Uh, he was found guilty of those 10 counts. Uh, he, he spent uh, eight of the nine years in jail uh, and, you know, he paid for what he did. He tried to rip people off. He lied a lot to his constituents and uh, the, his colleagues in, in Congress as well. People people knew eventually uh, that uh, he was a fraudster. He was someone that that was was painted very clearly with someone that uh, could lie to a lot of people and get away with it. And perhaps 
The most entertaining of all his preening was the over-the-top one-minute speeches that he frequently gave in Congress. They often included his signature phrase, beam me up, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> These speeches were often contentious, calling out constituents or just hyping up local events. A few favorite targets were the IRS, obviously, China, and then Attorney General Janet Reno. Oh, my God. It's, it's such a blueprint. It's totally the blueprint. This is crazy. He would even shout out local constituents for their accomplishments. That's how he stayed so loved. I mean, this is... So he was like a party promoter. It's incredible, right? And I said at the end of the last episode, when you do these one-minute speeches on the congressional floor, you're not subject to slander laws. So you can say whatever you want. No one can touch you. Janet Riedel is a murderer of children, (laughs) and I do know it. Don't ask me any more about it that... I yield my time to the floor. Beat me up, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> All right, let's. We've got a bunch of stuff of clips now, so let's go through these. This first one is one of these uh, sixty-second speeches on the congressional floor. It's a gentleman from Ohio, right? Mr. Speaker, from Mars to the Milky Way, all of America has experienced the kiss. The Hershey kiss. <laughs> now, after the state of Pennsylvania gave them tax breaks, now after workers <laughs> gave them concessions, Hershey is moving its factory that makes the kisses to Mexico. <laughs> so From angry. Mars to Milky Way to Mexico. Tell me, Mr. Speaker, will the Hershey kiss become known throughout America as the Tijuana kiss? <laughs> Take it from an old pit quarterback who is kissed off. We have let NAFTA and GATT take our jobs. Where are our constituents going to work? At McDonald's and Walmarts? My God, when Hershey of America becomes Hershey of Mexico, we better reconsider our economic policies in America. Beam me up, Mr. Speaker. I yield back the balance of these kisses. (laughs) What? (laughs) This guy. He did this all the time. Constant mic drops. This is very. He was very anti-NAFTA. He hated NAFTA because yeah. this global trade stuff is what destroyed the Mahoning Valley, or one of the reasons. Oh my God! I've seen but this he, guy at open mic a million times. Yeah. <laughs> I know this man. That is funny because, like, I used to host that Creek uh, open mic where yeah. it was like you get you got a minute, and oh like God. no one was this tight. No <laughs> one that, came. That just, yeah, that was no one came with this this much gusto. Yeah, he's got it. Everybody knows that the Reese's are in pieces. <laughs> <laughs> but what if those pieces are made in Vietnam? I thought we fought a war not to leave them in pieces. <laughs> but I yield my time. Beam me up, Scotty. Here's another one that really has nothing to do with anything, but is well, incredible. It seem like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's going to come as a huge shock. Madam Speaker, it started with the training bra, and then came the push-up bra. The sport bra, the wonder bra, the super bra. That doesn't exist. There's even a smart bra. No. Now, if that's not enough to prop up your... Alexa. ...curiosity... Look at the pause! There's now a new bra. It's called the holster bra. The gun bra. That's right, a brassiere to conceal... A hidden handgun. Oh, no. Unbelievable. What's next? A maxi girdle to conceal a stinger missile? (laughs) Beam me up. 
I advise all men in America against taking women to drive in movies who may end up getting shot in a passionate embrace. <laughs> I yield back all those plain old maiden form brassieres and chain link pantyhose. Oh That's right. The feminization of the gun. They probably make those now, though, the Republican Party now would be like, we do have they do have gun bras, I bet you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. This is but he's he's pro gun control. He's pro gun control. Yeah, it's yeah. It's about how like on some of these issues, some of these people have moved to the right, actually. I can't tell from that speech. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know. <laughs> well, he, there's an element of sexism in it, but his overall thrust is that he's pro-gun. He's like, it's absurd for guns to go everywhere. And the line, of course, is when women are concealing yeah. carrying. Mm. But it's like, yes. it's what's crazy is that is like sort of gendered as it is. It's still like an upgrade over now where it's like, actually, we should have a baby diaper that has a gun, a place for a gun in it is like kind of where we're at now. <laughs> he would yeah. lose his mind if he heard what Republicans want to do or put more guns in the hands of teachers. Like he yeah. would just he would pop off. Here's one. And we talk, He you know, he talks a lot about China and stuff. Here's a, one on China. <laughs> and quite frankly, I don't understand the White House. I'm going to tell it right the way it is. The White House will not wise up until there is a Chinese rocket stuffed right up their assets. <laughs> they are so dumb on this issue, they could collectively throw themselves at the ground and miss. I don't want to hear any more mumbo-jumbo about trade. We're getting our clock cleaned. China knows it, and they're taking it all the way to the bank with a smile on their face. Not for me, ladies and gentlemen. I will not support one more special favor treatment for communist China and advise everybody to do likewise. So, a couple he's things. That they, kind they, of, they, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, he's got kind of this accent that, if you've seen Schitt's Creek, more Moira Rose. Mm. China's getting a rocket straight up our asses. Like, what is what is his accent? It, it is like every now and again a weird Midwesterny. It's a little bit uh, Three Rivers kind of Pittsburghy a little bit too. I've never heard anything like it. Yeah, you got to go to that. Get, you got to go to that region of the country. Yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, go to the, the, the yeah. Yin's got to get down at a bird. What do they call it? The dust. The dust belt. Rust belt. The, the rust belt. Rust belt. <laughs> <laughs> like Yin's from New Jersey. Don't know us down here. No, I don't. Yeah, the, the rust belt accent is different. They're, 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 like that part of the rust belt, I would say, is like technically it's Appalachia, right? Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's like you get a little bit of a different backwood draw from like the West Virginia woods and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think there's two interesting things there. It's like. He's talking about China, so he's like anti-trade, but he's not like – I would say he's not wrong about how our trade policy propped up China. Like we provided so much trade for China and that created them into the juggernaut they are today. Well, the, well, the idea is that if the, if everyone was uh, integrated into the global trade system, as Francis Fukuyama predicted, it would be the end of history. Everybody would become a capitalist democracy. But yeah. what happened instead was China just became the strongest authoritarian government since the Soviet Union. Yeah, and they just <laughs> do whatever they want. And I think, like, we didn't want to do manufacturing because we wanted cheap products. And to have cheap products, you have to have cheap labor, and China provided that, but we created their huge boon. Yeah. 
Yeah, no reforms uh, on the political side. So, Sina, are you pro Jim Trafficking? Is that what you're saying? I said sometimes I feel like I'm like, that guy makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you a couple times you've been like, you know what? I, I mean, you know he's what? he was right. You know, this is like the Walmartization. This is like mm. the Walmart period is what yeah. he's talking about, and that's all like Chinese manufacturing those goods. It's like that populism is is like it's not wrong on the economic side. It's just when it when it casts China as not a self interested nation, but some kind of like nefarious like yeah. uh, all knowing force, then it, then it like becomes kind of like yellow peril. Yeah, it just. Yeah. He goes too far with the rhetoric, but the underlying philosophy that we are giving away too much, I, I don't think is wrong. I mean, th- there's other things that I agree with that I'm going to show you. He did this call-in show on C-SPAN, and I, oh, God bless C-SPAN. I, please sponsor our show. I don't think that's possible. But here's just the intro to the call-in show. Listen to this. Up next, we welcome Representative James Traficant, a Democrat from Ohio. He'll be taking your calls for the next 45 minutes on drugs and assault rifles. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Can you imagine having He's that today? Drugs. This man is on drugs. Guns and drugs. Guns like, and drugs. What? He's Incredible. Probably, He's probably, All right. probably pro assault weapons ban. There's like Clinton era, right? There you go. You wait, wait for this. Wait for yeah. this. Here we go. Uh, so this is him on guns, and there was a caller that called in from Dallas that did the classic, like, you don't know me. I have an M16. It's a class three weapon. I have pistols. I have this. People like you want to come and take all my guns, and it's messed up. And, and this is basically a, a couple callers called in, and this is his general response to everybody. Let me say one other thing before this fella leaves. I guess you could say this. I'm saying I don't think that you need an automatic weapon to go hunting, nor to protect your family. And I think if any prudent man and woman out there that's watching this telecast would just listen to these words, you don't need that type of an assault weapon. You certainly don't want it in the hands of people who may not even respect it, as you may. Something has to be done, and I think the fledgling process of political remedy is reasonable and prudent, and we must give that chance and opportunity to see if a program could be established that makes some sense and some merit for the American people. I think that is crazy that what he's saying there is applicable to today. I mean, it's yeah. just he's he's this is 1989 and he's over here saying you don't need a weapon of war to do anything that you're doing. You don't need it to protect your family. You don't need it to protect yourself from the from the federal government, a tyrannical government. It's just not not a thing. Yeah, and it's it's about yeah. messenger too. It's when you had like you know, like these kind of guys saying it. Now it would be like uh, like some urban politician that's from like a minority group. So like yeah, those people aren't going to listen to them. But they'll listen. A guy like this can peel off enough votes to make sure gun control happens. You know, because they're For like, sure. well, they're like he sounds like common sense. Yeah, he's making points. Yeah, and then here's where I disagree. But this is him on drugs, not on drugs, but talking about drugs. We don't know. <laughs> it's true. I don't want to assume. That we have gone from a situation where we had marijuana burning people's ears off, and we found out that marijuana wasn't going to burn anybody's ears off, and now we have many people thinking that marijuana is just another casual agent they can use and with no serious side effects, and we found that's not to be true. In the last 10 to 15 years, the use of marijuana has 
has not only risen dramatically, but the potency of the chemical is anywhere from 10 to 20 times more powerful. And if anything, it makes our young people non-competitive. I think one thing we do by sending out a signals of taking a legalization type of attitude is everything we've done in the past has not worked because it wasn't right. These drugs are not as bad as it is. Now, take into consideration in studies with the rhesus monkey at the University of Cincinnati Medical School years ago. So weird. In seven days with 20 milligrams of diacetyl morphine, which is heroin, they produce physical dependence, which is commonly referred to as addiction on the streets. You don't have the luxury of time with some of these chemicals. Now, I'm not saying that people in Ojaside, California, are going to get strung out on heroin in seven days. No, they're going to start getting high. They're going to start associating with the wrong people. They're going to start using more than one drug. But sooner or later, God forbid, someone convinces them to put that needle in their arm. I give them six months to a year. Their nose is going to be running. Their eyes are going to be watering. And it's the most difficult problem in our society to address. So Damn. Whoa. I think he's right. Because one time I had some marijuana. And then six months later, I was in California with a needle in my arm with my nose running. <laughs> my nose running. Nose yeah. running, turning tricks. Wish you would have called me. <laughs> on Sunset Boulevard, just <laughs> trying to get my next fix. And honestly, that is the tip of the iceberg. I could have pulled a hundred more clips from C-SPAN. This man is a clip machine. Yeah, he's a big clip guy. But what we saw here is that he was like a dino before that was even a term, a Democrat in name only. He's pro-gun control, anti-drug reform, pro-death penalty. Oh, that was the other thing. He's very pro-death penalty. Another record he held was also being the first rank-and-file U.S. House member in over 100 years to not get any committee assignments as punishment for voting for Republican Dennis Hastert as Speaker of the House in 2001. Well, he's well. He's he's part of it, this. Uh, there's not a, a lot of these left. He's uh, the Blue Dog Democrats. Blue Dogs. Yeah. Yeah, got like, the dog in me. They're conservative. <laughs> they're like conserv like conservative Democrats. They're still they're, yeah. they're st still Democrats, but they sort of support the Republicans on certain issues. And he caucused with them and stuff like that. It was a whole thing. Yeah. But while he did all this, he never stopped his first love, racketeering. All right. When we come back, we're going to go over a few different scams he ran during his tenure in the House. That? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for 
So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Welcome back to the show. First up, the Bucci fraud. Robert Bucci and his son Anthony Bucci in 1987 billed Trafficant for a little over 10 grand for work they had done on the farm. Instead of paying them, he sent his top aide and accomplice, Charles Onesti, to tell them that if they ate the bill, Trafficant could help them in other ways. Trafficant was a god, so they took the deal and continued to work on the farm for no pay. They hired other people to work on Trafficant's property as well on their own dime. In return, Trafficant pushed federal and state highway officials to accept bids from the Bucci's company, Prime Contractors, despite the violation, clear violation of labor laws. At one point, he threatened to hold a congressional investigation into the Federal Housing Authority if they barred the Bucci's from getting contracts, falsely claiming that doing so would result in the loss of 150 jobs. This is just one of many governmental bodies he pressured on behalf of the Bucci's. <laughs> the Bucci's would later in 1998 be indicted on income tax fraud. Couldn't have happened to a nicer family. It's always the taxes, isn't it? It is. Every time. And Anthony pled guilty while Robert put his money in a Cayman account and fled the country. Mm, smart. Next, the sugar fraud. A frequent campaign contributor... Arthur Sugar owned a contracting company called Honey Creek. Sugar asked Trafficant to help his son get a reduced sentence after a DUI charge and a transfer to a closer halfway house. In return, Trafficant brought Sugar and Sugar's son to his farm to do work. This is a family farm. It needs upkeep, folks. Their company made repairs to field drainage systems, cut roads, remove trees, spread stone, and more. After Trafficant found out the FBI was investigating him, he paid Sugar $1,100 for his silence, which seems low, <laughs> yeah, I guess. That does. $1,100. I've paid more for silence than that. Yeah. Same. I think so. Also, 11 is a weird number to pay somebody. 1100 That's what That's what you need for like your rent. I need $1,100. Right. Just pass yeah. me $1,100 like, like, real quick. Were you going to give 1000 and then you just kind of miscounted and you no, accidentally like a tip, gave it? A little tip. Yeah, you put 10% on top. Give you a little 11 He also lobbied government agencies to hire the sugars. It, it didn't work. <laughs> Next, the Cafaro fraud. John Cafaro was a prominent Youngstown developer affiliated with the U.S. Aerospace Group, which made laser guidance technology and was attempting to market the tech for aircrafts and boats. Traffickants stepped in and gave Cafaro the juice to get the tech certified by the FAA and, in turn, get government agencies to start using it, which is insane. After he did, Cafaro gave Jim an envelope with 13 grand in cash, again, very strange number, and paid a $26,000 bill for Trafficant's boat repair and slip fees. He also gave him an Avanti car. Avanti was some dying local brand that Cafaro was trying to rehabilitate, so I'm not sure too much about that. Very niche. Very niche. Also, again, 13 grand, I don't understand. Next, the labor fraud. Trafficant used his staff members as free labor. In 1990, he hired Richard Rovnak part-time in his office to assist constituents. 
Instead, Rovnak spent most of his time where, you might guess? That's right on the farm. Like I said, people, it needs upkeep. <laughs> Some days, Rovnak would work for 16 hours on various plumbing and carpentry projects. Damn. Trafficant used other staffers to bale hay and maintain horse stalls. Rovnak and other staff members were also tasked with the upkeep of Jim's boat, the boat he lived on when he was in D.C. Apparently, a host of politicians lived on their boats at the Capitol Yacht Club. I didn't know that. Another staff another staff member said Trafficant never asked anyone personally to do his chores. It was usually his chief of staff who organized boat parties where the staff would spend the day cleaning and fixing Trafficant's boat. Man, big on like white slaves. Is yeah. yeah. I was going to say, he, he has an overseer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> there, I did read a couple of things where some of the staffers liked being on the farm. Like they didn't really fe- see it. They saw it as like a fun little field trip thing. Yeah. Uh, that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> that's have you. You've never read those stories. Oh, we loved being on the farm. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. What are they? What are they singing? Swing low. I Anyways. need a hero. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now the kickback fraud. Not only was he using his office as his own personal temp agency, he also demanded kickbacks from staff members. Alan Sinclair worked as an aide and testified that he was hired on the condition that he gave trafficant $2,500 in cash each month. <laughs> Slavery. The Sinclair thing also happened the same month that Sinclair's wife bought the building that housed Jim's district office in Ohio. Trafficant also hired a lawyer, his name was redacted, for his congressional staff in exchange for kickbacks. The same $2,500 per month. Interesting. So this worked out to a total of $33,500 for 13 months of employment here. It's like, it's not a lot of money, but it is a good amount of money. It's almost like, because there's not a lot of stuff in here where trafficking is buying a Ferrari or anything like that. He's just kind of like getting by in this weird way by having to be slightly corrupt all the time. Mm. Does this make sense? Yeah. I'm with it. So far, he's just like, he's just doing, to me, this is light fraud. Nobody's getting hurt. Except for you know the except for the the mob stuff he was doing back then the but mob stuff okay. and the you know day laborers yeah, a that were bit, yeah, congressional yeah, yeah. staffers the, but they, yeah, the white slaves is fine it's tribute just like in the old country yeah that's all that is and then of course what would be a political scammer without some tax fraud in 1998 and 1999 he just straight up filed false tax returns. He reported around hundred and forty thousand dollars in income in those two years, but his income was substantially higher taxes. Always the fucking taxes. Here's Senator Hagan on Trafficant's worst fraud. What do you think is Jim was Jim Trafficant's worst fraud? In your this is very this is your opinion, this is your judgment, of course. You know, there's so ma- there's almost too many to pick from, but we went through a bunch of them. So I'm wondering if you have one that sticks out in your mind that gets you the most frustrated. Other than the fact that he lied that he was playing that game of playing one uh, mob family against the other, which was which was obviously bullshit. I think that the other part of that is is that he fooled a lot of people. He fooled he fooled them um, so many times. But the, I think the most egregious part of his existence was how he was actually shaking down his own employees. Yes, had to slip money 
underneath, after he gave them a raise, those were tax dollars, slipped them underneath the doors of, of his chief of staff. Uh, how he asked one of his uh, staffers to come down on the farm uh, to help him rake the bullshit out of the out of the uh, the, the barn. I mean, he, this is what he did. He used people, uh, and I think that uh, the biggest part is is that he was able to use the voters and use people to his advantage. And it was really about greed. It's something that most of us that care enough about government and its uh, future existence and democracy to fight for it have always been fearful of. People misunderstand uh, and they they're sucker punched by uh, people like Jim Traficant and, and Trump. So, of course, he's going to get caught. Traffic and scams and ego ran rampant for decades. So how did he finally get busted? Well, wouldn't you know it, folks? Another FBI-led mob investigation. Oh, boy. The <laughs> FBI. Yeah. <laughs> and the mob? Ah. A years-long investigation by a federal task force within a greater mob probe started handing out over 70 indictments. By 2001, almost Every level of Ohio politics had received an indictment. As an overachiever, Trafficant was indicted on 10 counts. 10 counts sound like a great time for a top 10 James Trafficant indictment defenses. Let's go! (laughs) Number 10, racketeering conspiracy. The defense? I wasn't in the mob. I was doing another one of those sting operations that I got away with last time. Did he say that? That's This is a quote quote? No, these, no. Oh, damn. I mean, I, really I, I could do. say, like, yes, these are, oh. <laughs> but they're not. They're close to Letterman's top 10 was a quote. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Cool, 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 Nine, racketeering. The defense? Yes, I sold political favors, but in my defense, at the time, I did not think I was going to get caught. Love that one. <laughs> Number eight, accepting illegal gratuities. The defense? How else am I going to get people to do free labor for me on my farm? Slavery is illegal now, I'm told. number seven conspiracy to commit bribery the defense conspiracy to commit that's just talking my dude that ain't doing bribery yeah there's no conspiracy it's just we're having a conversation (laughs) we just did it yeah we just (laughs) give me do this number six bribery okay so i did do some bribery but it was for my constituents so they could see that i can afford a boat yeah how am i gonna be a leader if i don't got a boat I get that. Got to have some class. Where am I supposed to, you know, get drunk in Washington, D.C.? Number five, conspiracy to defraud the United States. The defense? I'm the buy American guy. Case closed. Yeah. I buy, I, I'm driving this Avanti around. That's American made. <laughs> that, uh, so ta- but just because I don't pay my taxes doesn't mean nothing. Yeah. Number four, making false statements on tax returns. The defense, I was already convicted for this same crime in the 80s. I'm my own lawyer, so I know that this is like a double jeopardy or something. It is. It's double jeopardy. Just because I reported $25,000 of income and I have a $500,000 boat that I have slaves working on does not (laughs) mean anything. Number three, obstruction of justice. His defense... So I tipped the scales of justice. Now it's illegal to be a good tipper? Listen, just because I paid a bribe to the district attorney that's in the pocket of the Warren, Ohio mob (laughs) doesn't mean anything. 
It's a service. We're a service economy now. It's a service fee. It's $1,100. When I said buy American, it also meant judges and prosecutors. (laughs) 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 Number two, attempted witness tampering. The defense, look, I already said I was in the mob. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I left many voicemails and the you know at the jury pool letting them know that i have friends that know where they live doesn't mean anything it's yeah. just me being friendly and the number one defense from james traffickens indictment filing a false tax return his defense i'm going to blame this one on my girl suzanne at h&r block she told me i could claim my whole house as an office yeah. oh my god you can't oh my god oh my god are my slaves exempt doing- <laughs> no, they're, are they they're my dependents? dependents? They're dependents. Yeah. I have so many dependents. <laughs> so sure, he had been expecting this indictment. A year prior, he appeared on ABC's Nightline challenging the Justice Department to, quote, get your best hold and file charges. I mean, they did. <laughs> that that's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like how about that that's a premium banging olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a biosonic sound experience that that's our legacy you ready to be a part of it unlock the energy of the all-electric cdx type s order now at acura.com For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Welcome back. Now we are on to the trial of Jim Trafficking. It began in February of 2002, and once again, he represented himself. Here's a news report on the trial. How are you, you going to do? Impeach Economist! Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I have showed up. Impeach Economist! And I'm going inside. Thank you. He goes into the courthouse today with the attitude we all know so well. The same attitude he carried through his 1983 trial. I'm going to fight those jackasses. 
And again, the congressman pleads not guilty to the federal charges against him by reason of sanity, as he puts it. The 10 charges, including bribery, racketeering, and fraud, could land him more than 60 years behind bars. But even with that risk, he demands he be allowed to defend himself as his supporters pack the courtroom. I think it's amazing that he pleads not guilty for reason of sanity is a great joke. It's like yeah. a great, it's a for great reason courtroom. of sanity. Like that's beautiful. Put, putting the whole system on trial with that. Yeah. Well, like, are, is he saying he's the most sane? Yes. He's the most sane. Like, usually you'd say I'm, you know, not guilty for reasons of insanity. Yeah, yeah, insanity. Yeah, but he's not guilty well, for Well, that's what sanity. happens when you uh, represent yourself. You just make yeah. shit up. So, so it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I object. And it's like, you have the floor. <laughs> you can't object to yourself. <laughs> And it worked once before, so why wouldn't it work again? Unfortunately, it didn't. Um, <laughs> in April wow. of that same year, he was guilty on all charges. Then in July, the House Ethics Committee began hearings on him. So all of that real-life trial happened, and he got convicted, and he was going to go to prison. And then the House Ethics Committee was like, eh, maybe we should do something. He was characteristically bullish about his chances. He dreamed of being above the charges and the punishment. On the House, though, they would move against him very quickly. And he would say, quote, When I walk on the floor for the final execution, I'll wear a denim suit. I'll walk in there like Willie Nelson, John Wayne, Will Smith, Men in Black, James Brown. Maybe do a Michael Jackson moonwalk. Those are all very different. Uh, yeah, I was going to say those are all different. Where Will Smith, Men in Black, is there's no denim suit happening there. This feels. James Brown has a cape. Yeah, this I don't. And Michael Jackson, Willie Nelson, I've never heard both of them. I in don't the same know. Sentence. The sanity plea is looking real <laughs> flimsy. Real flimsy. Real light. I think he's just saying. I think he's just trying to say I will be a very confident person. He could have just mm. said that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the only thing these people have. There is there is a great clip here from his closing statement. So they had this whole trial. They brought up all the stuff that we had mentioned earlier. And then he didn't really get to, like, in the House, do a trial. But what he was able to do was give a statement. Mm. You know, there's something unusual here. You didn't elect me. Yeah, you have the right to throw me out. My people don't want me out. And there's something that was not allowed to be brought, and I think Mr. Heffley and the committee give you great respect. But ladies and gentlemen, you passed the 1967 Jury Service and Selection Plan in the Northern District of Ohio before trafficant was indicted passed a jury selection plan that wasn't ratified till after my indictment. They excluded my people from my area that knew me and these witnesses from the jury pool. This isn't going to help me with the judge, but I think we have an arist aristocratic judiciary that looks at Congress like an advisory board. I think you better take that back. Not one person that knew me or these witnesses was on this jury. 
and you didn't subpoena one witness to validate that hearsay transcript. One thing I think is interesting here is that he's talking about some jury service selection law and everything like that. But what he's really complaining about is that since he's such a well-known and well-liked person within his district, that's what you would normally pull the jury from. But they didn't pull it from the people that know him. So he was like pissed that the jury was actually impartial and not like his last trial where they all loved him so much. Yeah. And he's like pulling the same tactic that uh, Chalky White does in Boardwalk Empire when he's in jail. Remember? Uh, and uh, Dunn Pernsley's getting ready to attack him and he doesn't know who he is. And he's like, hey, John, your mama get that turkey that I brought over. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So turkey was plump and juicy. And how about you, Damon? Your grandmama go see that doctor that I paid for? <laughs> That's right, Mr. Chalky. She good and is gold. <laughs> you know, and he's like, he's like, yeah, the idea that if I bought yeah. off the community, then then nothing matters, right? Yeah. Right. All right, let's keep going. It doesn't matter liking me. A lot of you don't like me, because you get that 1.3 billion. I rated a lot of appropriation bills. But I want your vote. I want 145 votes and I want to be able to go up and I want to fight the Justice Department and the IRS. They put me in jail, you have a very easy vote, and I predict you will. I think as a member of Congress, I want you to just think of this. There may come a time where you might get targeted. <laughs> you know what I was told? Watch what you say. You're too outspoken. This is the mafia. Watch what you say. Watch your mouth. Shut yeah. up about the Reno case. Shut yeah, up shut about up. the Reno case! <laughs> yes, the mafia. Stop Don't talking. Don't talk about, about Reno. <laughs> I'm not going to shut gentleman up. gentleman has expired. I want your vote. Because I think my vote is your vote. And my people elected me. And I don't think you should take their representative away. And with that, thank you for giving me the additional time. At least listening to me. And vote your conscience. Nothing personal. And I hope I'm back and can get another $1.3 billion. Beam me up. Beam me up. I know. I wish you would have ended it with that. Beam me up. Yeah. It didn't really feel like he could close. Didn't stick the his, landing. Yeah. Did not stick the landing. Well, he, this, this little plea did not work. So here's, here's what was happening at the expulsion. As if the president were addressing Congress, swarms of spectators lined the halls hoping for a look. Although his colleagues kept the proceedings dignified, Jim Traficant clearly came to wage a floor fight for his political life. Do I do my hair with a weed whacker? I admit. <laughs> but take into consideration what you're doing. The two members who violated a 17-year-old page boy and a 17-year-old page girl, which is rape in every state, were not expelled. Yet his 10-count conviction for taking bribes and kickbacks was too much to ignore. A last-minute bid to delay the vote failed. As traffic and stalked out of the chamber, Congress voted 420 to 1 to expel him after 17 and a half years. Only Californian Gary Condit voted to keep him. There was no rush to judgment here. You had a jury trial of his peers. Uh, he was convicted on a number of felony counts. It is really important that the people of this country believe that uh, those who serve in this house 
uh, are people who, who uh, put the public good above their own personal benefit. In a matter of minutes, aides were helping traffic and empty his cluttered office, and Capitol Police escorted him from the Rayburn building. Yet even the man who lost the job to traffic and was taking no pleasure in the moment. It's a sad day. It's a sad day for our It's a sad day for the nation. It's a really sad day for this house. So tonight, official Washington has lost one of its court jesters, and the people of the 17th District of Ohio have lost representation in Congress. But Jim Traffic vows that he probably will be back, even if he has to govern from a prison cell. That sounds Yo. like a threat. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back, bitch, even from a prison cell. <laughs> yeah. Kool-Aid man style, bursting through the house walls. Bursted. But it's, I think the funniest part for me is like, it's like, imagine if you're closing a show and then the host comes up and is like, who was the worst comedian of the night? And then everyone's like, that last person that was just here. You know what it's like? Yeah. Immediately after. <laughs> that guy. He does that whole thing. Solid 10, 15 minutes of time. They vote 420 to one. Well, you know what? His 15 minutes of time, I have to say, from what we saw, not very confident. <laughs> He wasn't giving confidence. He was giving like, well, guys, you know, my people aren't here right now. And if you want to vote me out, then go ahead, vote me out. But just know that my people, you know, they need a leader, please. You guys let the rapist run. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that. A little bit of that sprinkled he, in. He might have actually had a point there if there wasn't somebody <laughs> who like raped yeah. a couple people. Yeah. <laughs> the only holdout, though, I thought was interesting is Gary Condit. If you're thinking to yourself, where do I actually know that name from? Yeah, they didn't show. Yeah, he did. It's because Condit was only one year removed from his own headline-grabbing scandal. Condit was the congressman who famously had an extramarital affair with murdered jogger intern Chandra Levy, who was found dead in Rock Creek Park in D.C. Oof. Yeah. Yikes. I vaguely remember I think it, that. Yeah, I think it's also important, like, how many people have been expelled from Congress? There were two during the Civil War, but yeah. the the other one was this first congressman was expelled in 1980, Pennsylvania Congressman Michael Ozzie Myers. As I love that nickname because I you know, it was Ozzie Smith's reference. I have no idea. Although the first Halloween movie came out in 1980, and that had to be difficult for all the men named Michael Myers at the time. Of course, Myers was caught up in the ab scam sting made famous in the movie American Hustle and was busted oh, yeah. for taking bribes from undercover agents. Ab scam, if you need a quick reminder, was initially supposed to target trafficking and stolen property and corruption of prominent businessmen but eventually led to convictions of seven members of Congress who were found guilty of bribery and corruption. The sting involved videotapes of congressmen accepting bribes from a fictitious Arabian company in return for various political favors. You've got to Google whoever you're taking bribes from people. After their convictions, the other seven all resigned from the House and one from the Senate because, I don't know, you know, you got to go. But not Michael Ozzie Myers. He fought his way into the history books by becoming the first member of the House to be expelled in nearly 120 years. He would later serve three years in prison. And fun fact, Ozzie Myers went back into jail this year after his conviction in a ballot stuffing scheme that ran for five years from 2014 to 2018. <laughs> wow. Old habits die hard. Right? 
My lord. All right, so back to trafficking here. Uh, following in Ozzie Myers's footsteps, he was sentenced to not 60, as that news report said, but eight years. And here is a little bit from the last TV interview he did before he went to prison. Jim, what do you think your legacy is going to be? I, I can't judge that. I think the people will. But I know one thing, and I've heard this from an awful lot of people, and I've known you a long time, you knew that vote was going to be overwhelming against me when I presented that speech on the House floor. But I looked him in the eye. You know why I looked him in the eye? Because I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. You know what Youngstown, Ohio has been known for? People with grit, people with heart. You know what Youngstown is becoming known for now? A bunch of pussies. Oh my God! Do we say that? Boy. People to sit back, <laughs> take pride. Do we have Youngstown to is that? one of the best places in America to live. And we keep bannering it around in the news. I don't do the interviews, I'm hiding. If I do the interviews, I'm out parading. Get off the bullshit, will you, Black? Will you? Did you call me or did I call you? <laughs> I called you. And 21 won the ratings, didn't they? We wanted to ask questions that had You wanted asked. ratings, didn't you? Did you invite 33? you invite Fox in here? Did you invite 27? There are competitors. Did you invite them in? We no, don't All normally right. invite the them to I'm any interviews is, that we do. The point I'm making is, don't try and make it look like Jim Trafficking spent his last day on Earth trying to convince the world. I'm not convincing anybody. See, what's happened with America when it's too sensitive to look into? What's happened to us here, Bob? What are we afraid of? Huh? Let me tell you what. Right here, on your little channel 21, the FBI, the IRS, Department of Justice can go to hell. Amazing. Well, he is wearing a jean jumpsuit, and I do applaud him for that. <laughs> White jean jumpsuit. White jean, which is, I mean, Freedom. after Labor Day. Come I on. mean, stop. Forget about it. By the way, uh, I think it's important to know that reporter is not a black man, but a white man with yeah. the last name of black. So, yeah, I was concerned and confused and confuddled for a minute there, but uh, I'm so glad you cleared that up. The, just for the pod listeners out there. I also think it's important to clarify that after my visit to the streets of Youngstown, Ohio, it is not, in fact, a bunch of pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Still, there's some real there's some real gully ass dudes in Youngstown. <laughs> Still dangerous as ever in Youngstown, Ohio. <laughs> With a great art museum, though. Great art museum. Come on. Great art museum. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, we love Youngstown, but I think, I think they would dispute. I think it's still... Uh, you're never like, I'm going to go to Youngstown and take over, I don't think. Yeah. But I you am. know... <laughs> <laughs> this is part of our big political run next year, guys. We're going to move to different congressional districts in Ohio, run as Republicans, be populists, and then take over. They're going to work. Okay. The new school, the new class. That's us. No, I'm going I'm going to Youngstown for the $2.25 beer and a shot special that uh, <laughs> I heard about I'm in going. the art museum. And maybe like a like an industrial era home that is like amazing <laughs> and like beautiful. I'm going for the pussies that Jim Trafford said <laughs> existed. That's where I'm going. Yeah, I'm going for the 22-bedroom steel mill that I can buy for $250,000. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, that is that it? Is that it for Jim Trafficking? 
No. No, no. 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 It, no, it Did stop. he go to prison and become a Muslim or a devout Christian? No. No. Mm. <laughs> he ran <laughs> for re-election from prison. Of course he did. He's Mandela now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yo, he got 15% of the vote. That's not incredible. Bad. He's in prison. Yeah, he's got, he's got, he, I like how uh, his technique of like the people are me, like this is like common fraudster thing. It's like, if I go to jail, you're actually putting Youngstown, Ohio in jail. Yeah. Those people. Yeah. And maybe that's why he was calling him a pussy because he only got 15% of the vote. Maybe he was, maybe, maybe he, he since said he had lost a significant <laughs> part of the population by being expelled from Congress. Some people were like, that was a bridge too far. Yeah. Yeah, once you get convicted of several crimes. Hey, but that's nice, though, to know that if someone's convicted of several crimes, that they can actually lose support as a populist. Yeah. Well, isn't, that, that's, isn't that refreshing? Isn't that? Let's see that's if that holds very, up. That's old school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We may be living at a different time. Also interesting that he brings up the sensitivity point, which is like kind of like a, you know, a thing that comes up in politics a lot. We're too sensitive. You know, it's a whole thing. He's like I can't it. call an entire city in Ohio pussies on yeah. television anymore without someone being upset about it. And like browbeating a reporter. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you can do that um, now. <laughs> and people will just ignore it. Or will they love it? Yeah. They either will love it or they'll ignore it. Yeah. So he went to prison, got out in 2009, and then became a, a devout Christian uh, and lived his life in peace. No. No. <laughs> Wrong again. <laughs> Wrong again. He's running numbers in Youngstown in no time. 2010, he runs again for Congress. Oh, God. That would be it, though. 2010, he lost. And let's head back to our interview with the senator. Can we can we do a thought experiment here for a second? Sure. Place Jim Trafficket in New York City in the early 80s. And he runs for office. What do you think? How do you think he's received by that crowd? Well, is he in Little Italy or is he in? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, he he um, he would be. Uh, I listened to your Santos show. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I was amused that this guy just kept lying and getting away with it. And, yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities to that. And there's yeah. a lot of similarities to the fact that people don't pay close enough attention to politics, to government, and to know that there's three branches of government. I, New York Times just wrote an article about how few people understand the, the makings and the breakings of the three branches of government. Jim probably would uh, have uh, survived a, a Santos congressional run. Uh, but I don't think he would have gone too far uh, if it was, you know, up uh, um, north, uh, well, let's say the north side of Manhattan. You know, yeah. he would have done very well up there. You know, it's it's interesting because, yeah, there is so many similarities to him and George Santos and even Trumpian, frankly. He really capitalized on that anger of everyone and people feel like he's with them, that he's one of the people. But really, he's participating in as much corruption as he is fighting against at the same time. Yeah. Um, do you find those similarities to here? And does it I'm sorry to say this, but does it depress you that so little has changed? Well, you know, as I said, I served with my father in the legislature. 
I had a wonderful mother that worked in the civil rights movement and reminded every one of us of our obligation to each other. Uh, I was very frustrated. You know, Jim Traffickant uh, and uh, and Trump are very similar. Mm-hmm. Trump, of course, dressed a little bit better than Traffickant. Slightly, yes. But not because, you, know, you know, those are thousand dollar suits that he's wearing. Jim was wearing $39.95 suit. He was, he was able to get away with that. But, you know, it's depressing to see that. I mean, government has yeah. to work when people pay attention to it. And people weren't paying attention to it. They liked it. The personality was cool. You know, you run for class president because you're real popular. And then, you know, you find out that the guy supports the Nazis or something at a later date. It needed to find out earlier about the Jim traffickers and for that matter, uh, for Trump, as we're finding out now, uh, what a crook he is and what Jim Traffickant was as well. In 2014, Jim was driving a tractor on his farm, the family farm, when he didn't have any help there, apparently, and crashed into a large pole. He had hit a large steel blade in the ground, flipping the tractor on top of him. He probably suffered a heart attack, apparently, before crashing, which is why he was unable to jump off the tractor in time or get out. Uh, He died four days later in the hospital. Damn. What happened to all those slaves he had? This is the guy that had (laughs) slaves, right? (laughs) What? They moved on. They moved on. They were released. They were released from their servitude. They were washing the boats of other Ohio yeah. politicians. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, what happened? All the slaves. <laughs> oh One of them God. became mayor of Cincinnati. It's actually a good yeah. story. <laughs> Jim Traffic is actually Jerry Springer. Okay, let's. Uh, yeah. There's one last clip about when he was in the hospital in critical condition. Let's play it. For those who know Jim Traffigant best, this has been a very difficult day. He used to tell my mother that he loved his horses and he loved getting out and, and doing those things on his farm. Authorities first got the call to come out to this farm in Green Township last night just before 8 p.m. Greenford Road, 165. We're told a man looking to buy some used farm equipment from the former congressman was the one who called for help. Tractor rolled over on what happened? A tractor rolled over on him. Trafficant was apparently trying to drive an old tractor into one of the barns on the property when it hit another piece of equipment and rolled over backwards. There was no cage on a tractor, so he was on the seat, still in that position when EMS got there. Firefighters managed to lift the tractor off of Trafficant, and paramedics immediately started CPR. He was initially taken to Salem Community Hospital, but then flown to Saney's in Youngstown, where family and friends have been ever since. The timing of, of this news is kind of eerie. Eric Murphy has been working on a documentary about Trafficant since soon after his release from prison in 2009. Ironically, it was what happened on this farm, where former aides like Trafficanti and others were ordered to work for free, that led to Trafficant's conviction and expulsion from Congress seven years earlier. And now to be hurt out there doing something that he obviously loved in a place where he felt where he could be himself, uh, just very poignant. We, uh, Eric Murphy, the director and producer of that documentary, you you heard some clips early early on their series from that. But man, 
I don't know. Kind of a silly way to die. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of silly. Irony. (laughs) A little bit of irony. We were talking, we talked the other day on a a different podcast. My mama told me about uh, black ghosts. And I think that perhaps a black ghost got him. Yes. From his slaves weren't black <laughs> from, though. Oh, that's true. His slaves were okay. So just a regular ghost got yeah, him. White slaves. White he slaves. Probably, what, I think that's just called capitalism, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of his ghosts got him. Well, I tell you what, I've learned a lot from this. It was great looking back into the Democratic Party of like you know like the early nineties. Yeah. Because uh, it's like you know the rightward turn of of, of Middle America. You know, the, the playbook that Trump follows and everything, uh, it's it's good refresher. It's a good refresher to, like, see where the anger in the Rust Belt is coming from. You know, that economic catastrophe that happened and how Democrats didn't, didn't fix it for them. Everything got pivoted because of Reagan into, like, the financialization of the economy and service yeah. economy, pivoted all the way from manufacturing. So it left all these folks kind of, like— out with no support and so what yeah. What the fuck did you think was gonna happen it makes sense now though why you know it's like it produces the type of voter that says i'm either for donald trump or bernie sanders yeah yeah i bet you youngstown probably has a lot of those people that were like if it's not if it's not bernie then i'm voting for trump and when yeah but and then biden's announcement too that he bidenomics is like trying to reverse the legacy of like abandoning these people in their time yeah. of need you know but what is it like is there something do you have to have like messed up hair is that part of it too that's you gotta a, have some of sort of yeah you gotta have some sort of absurd bravado like it's you like gotta a trademark have some, yeah you've yeah. gotta be something about you has to be so awful and that you own it so hard that it, it flips yeah I also like this, though, because it's like I'm from Kansas City, which also kind of has this trait of like kind of like the golden age of Italian mafia, mm. but like in weird Midwestern settings. So it's, it's it's this guy's like a tractor driving guy that's also like slapping people on the cheek and getting envelopes in nightclubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's such a crazy part of American history where you have all of these like urban uh, mafia outfits that are, you know, in places that are, you know, middle America. It's so great. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Frosters. Follow us on your favorite social media platform. Check out the show notes for the show's social media links so you can follow us and see the resources we use for this episode. Frosters is hosted by me, Cena Gazdavi, Justin Williams, and Ariel Lieti. Frosters is produced by Noreen Malik, written by Nick Turner, and edited by Ryan Connor. Research was provided by Patrick Fisher. Legal research by Robert Rosigliano. Music by Grant Gordon. The executive producer is me, Cena Gazdavi. This has been a production of Zero Cool and The Last Podcast Network. That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that... 
That's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go. Give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.